How many of you have the notes for today? If you do not have the notes, this will help you to follow along and to uh, really receive what the Lord has for us today. This morning in prayer and even during worship, I felt like the Lord was was being magnified in our presence. We were seeing him more uh, clearly. When you magnify something, you hold a magnifying glass up to the object the object is already that the same size. It doesn't change the object size, but it changes our view of the object. So God is infinitely big, but when we see who He is through worship and through the Word, we our view of Him gets bigger. And so let's pray for that today, <clears throat> because I believe we, we respond and we live in relation to how much we see of who God is. So, Father, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, in the knowledge of Jesus, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of your calling, that we would live differently, we would live with more holy passion and more love. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well... There are two characteristics that I see in uh, what I would consider most every successful believing Christian that I know. Two characteristics that I've observed over the years. One is they recognize, all of them, recognize how much they need God. And then they have been able to, over the years, to cultivate an ability to respond to the presence of God in faith when he is coming to them to meet their needs. And I've watched this over the years. Hebrews 4.16 says God is able and he's present to help us in time of need. Isn't that good news? He's present to help us. He's present, but how much do we recognize his presence? And how much are we able to then respond in faith to receive his answers to our needs. I was praying about this, and I think it was maybe yesterday or Friday. I think it was yesterday this phrase popped in my mind, and it was so exciting, I put it on the top of your notes there. I was listening to worship to the prayer room in International House of Prayer in Kansas City, and this was just came in my mind, and it all came as like one kind of sentence, a heightened awareness of God sets us up for greater encounters with God and greater blessing from God. A heightened awareness of God sets us up for greater encounters with God and greater blessing from God. And that blessing may be the blessing of being able to love Him more or love others more. And while I was writing this out with my little pen, going, oh, that's good. I don't want to lose that. Anybody have to do that? Right, Greg, you have to read a, you know, hey, I may forget. Well, Misty Edwards was singing a song in the prayer room. Um, I love, I love, I love your presence. Uh, you want me to sing it? <laughs> I love, I love. Okay. That was... Um, well, that'll, we'll just let that go. 
but I love your presence. And I thought, that's what I'm writing there. She's singing, I love your presence. And I thought, you know, there are a lot of times I don't really love his presence as much as I think I'm called to. You know, I'm kind of used to his presence or I'm, oh, I've heard that worship song before or, you know, in the middle of a corporate presence of the Lord, I'm thinking, hmm, you know, where am I going to go eat after this or, you know, things like just natural thoughts. And so I was provoked to ask the Lord to help me to have a heightened awareness of God that'll set me up for greater encounter and to receive greater blessing. So today in these few minutes, I want to share how we can better recognize and respond to God. Roman numeral one there, I want to share how the majority of people, the people 2,000 years ago, responded to the presence of Jesus in their midst, which is, interestingly, 2,000 years later, is the same way most people respond to Jesus today. In this respect, nothing has changed in the course of 2,000 years. Let's look at it, paragraph A there. Let's listen to, what, listen to what John says about the response of the people in the time of Jesus. John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 says, He, that's Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made by him, the world did not recognize him. He came to those who were his own, but his own did not receive or did not recognize him. Now when it says there, the world, he came... He was made, the world was made by him, and the world didn't recognize him. The world there is not talking about the cosmos, not talking about the universe or created things. It's talking about people. It's talking about the human society of that day, the human social order of that time. It's saying the people that Jesus walked among didn't recognize him as the mighty God or as their Savior. He came to his own people. Who is that? That's the Jewish people. But they did not receive him. You see, the Jewish people at that time, when Jesus first walked the earth, they were looking for a military figure, a political figure, uh, who would come and deliver them from foreign rule. That was their concept of the Messiah, was a conquering military hero who would set them free economically and politically. And so that was their concept of the Messiah that they were promised. They saw their material needs. <clears throat> they saw their material needs, but they did not see their spiritual needs. And so the people that had those kinds of expectations back then could not recognize God in their midst. Now, some of them did, but the majority did not because they were looking for something and someone different. And yet the prophets, I want to look at a couple of Old Testament prophets here. The prophets had clearly warned them that this is how their Messiah was going to come. Roman numeral two, Israel's prophets announced that their Messiah would come in humility, but most of them didn't, still didn't recognize who he was. Isaiah 53, <clears throat> it's in your notes there, paragraph A. It says, who, 
Isaiah prophesies this, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So he is warning them against unbelief. He's saying, who's going to believe this message? And then he speaks about Jesus as the arm of the Lord, the strength of the Lord, the, the manifestation of the Lord's divine intervention. It's the arm of the Lord reaching in, intervening on behalf of his people. And then prophetically, these next verses there are a picture, a prophetic picture of how Jesus, of who he is, and then how he would come to them. Look at, look at this. It says, uh, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. And believe me, Israel back in those days was spiritually dry ground. He, would, he has no form meaning no beauty or majesty or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected by men. And then down to the last part there, verse 3, and we did not esteem him. We didn't recognize him. And then later on, the prophet Zechariah, he gives a picture of Jesus coming into Jerusalem as the ordained king. Remember, they were expecting this conquering hero. But look at how Zechariah describes him. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly or gentle, and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. There's the key word there. He's coming to you. The king is coming gently. Jesus came as the king promised, but he came gently. And Zechariah predicted it. He came just that way, on the colt, on a, on a donkey, the, the, a young donkey. But he came gently, and so they didn't recognize him. They thought, you know, he came, he came, and they, he came in love and in mercy and in compassion, but that's not what they were looking for. And so one of the great tragedies of history is that when Jesus came to his own, they missed it for the most part. They didn't recognize him. They'd expected something different. They'd expected someone to meet. Now, here's where it relates to us. They'd expected someone to meet their carnal needs, their material needs, their political needs, their social needs. They didn't expect someone to come humbly and not looking like that's what they were going to do. But you see, it makes sense because Jesus, hear me now, Jesus had to come first to meet their needs humbly and gently. Because until, see, he had to come to meet their spiritual needs first. They were wanting their material needs met, saying, no, I am a just God. And unless your spiritual needs are met, unless your heart is right, unless... I take out a heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. You're, you, I'm not going to give you the things I've promised you, which is that you'll be, you know, ruler first place among the nations. So basically, I've kind of thought about it this way. They, you know, when we think of superheroes right now, I think that Avengers movie, I haven't seen it. Probably not sure I will. But uh, it's like box office number one. It's about superheroes, right? It's about, 
you know, so what they were, what the Jewish people back then were doing, they were expecting a Rambo or a uh, Captain America, Captain Israel, to bash in the door and say, here I am. But instead of Captain Israel bashing in the door, Mr. Rogers walked in the door. You know, he comes in, puts on his sweater, ties his, you know, that's Jesus coming in on the donkey. They're like, wait a minute. Where's Captain whatever, you know, Captain America? Now, how would you respond if you were back then? Before we criticize them, Let's ask ourselves, do I realize my spiritual need? Or am I simply concerned with material, physical, and emotional needs? Not seeing my own spiritual need. Like in those days, people today are very preoccupied with non-spiritual needs and more of the carnal and natural material. I'm not saying those are wrong but you can be so preoccupied that we miss the times when God is showing up. So real briefly, I want to share four examples from Scripture about a really interesting irony that I've been kind of chewing on the last month or so. It's ironic that although the bulk of humanity did not recognize Jesus as the Creator and as the Redeemer, Though the Jewish people themselves, for the most part, didn't recognize him, the whole of the created universe did recognize him. They recognized Jesus. They knew Jesus. They saw in Jesus. I'm talking about the the, the creation. They saw and recognized that he was the mighty God, that he was the creator. So let me illustrate these with four examples. They're in your notes. First of all, when Jesus and the disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee and there was a great storm. I think I have a picture just to help, you know. It was a great storm. And I want to read it. It's in your notes there, but just get the grasp of this. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves. But Jesus was asleep. You see, that was his humanity. He was fully God, fully man. Verse 25, Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? What an irony. The stormy sea and the raging winds recognized their creator. All Jesus had to do was just say a few words, and they're like, but the, the human beings in the boat with the creator were like, who is this? What sort of man is this? You see, they hadn't even come yet to fully see that he was their Messiah, that he was God come in the flesh. B, paragraph B, there, there's the, the story of the fig tree. Now, I, I want to stop there and say, well, you, you can say it here too, but when you think about the winds and the waves being calmed at just a few words of Jesus, 
There's a song by Hillsong is out right now called So Will I. You may have heard that a billion. It says a hundred billion times. One of the lines says, if creation still obeys you, so will I. See, creation still obeys Jesus. And so look at the story of the fig tree. Now this one, we're not going to go into why Jesus did this, but he did it. Okay, that's a fig tree. In the morning, verse 18, Matthew 21, he returned to the city. Jesus was hungry and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately, the fig tree withered away. You see, the the fig tree recognized the authority of the word spoken by the Creator. And instantly, that tree did what was appropriate to the situation. See, I'm not, I don't want to go into all as to why he did it, but he had a purpose for doing it, and he was, he was issuing a judgment out of his mouth. And so the fig tree withered under his judgment. The tree not only recognized him as creator, but that tree recognized him as the judge. And Jesus is coming to judge the nations, to judge right and wrong. We will all stand before a judgment seat, not those who know Jesus. We're not going to be judged like as in heaven or hell. If you know Jesus, you're in, okay? But he's going to judge our works, and there's going to be um, a fire, so to speak, that goes forth that, that will test what we do, what we do each day. Uh, so he is judged. But that, that fig tree realized there's a judge. And, and Jesus is the mighty God who is also the judge. Third, there's the donkey, the story of the donkey. We already looked at this a little bit from Zechariah where he prophesied that their king was going to come in riding on a donkey. <clears throat> but think about this. This is, this is all very ironic. Mark 11 says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem... Uh, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and, and Jesus said to them, Go into a village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, that village, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. Now, anybody who's familiar with animals, you will know that a young colt, either a, a colt of a donkey or a colt of a horse, if it's never been ridden on, what's it going to do naturally when a human being gets on it? It's going to buck. It's going to protest. It's going to rear up. It requires a process of breaking the donkey. Now, I've never done that, but I'm in, I don't know whoever has, but it's a pretty bold job to break, to break a colt. It takes a lot of time and takes a lot of skill. But listen to what happened when Jesus approached the colt. Verse 7, they brought the colt to Jesus. It's in your notes here. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it and rode into Jerusalem on it. You see, that donkey recognized the Creator. The donkey responded differently to Jesus than any other human being trying to get on that. Why? Because he created it. 
And so if, if nature obeys, why not me? In the sense, we've got some catching up to do. Last one here. Finally, the son even recognized the creator. We look at the picture of the crucifixion of Jesus in, in Luke 23, 44 through 46. As this horrific event approached its climax, it says here, verse 44, now it was about the sixth hour. Now, sixth hour is 12 noon. Around noon, there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. So even if you're a scientist trying to say, oh, that was a, a solar eclipse, really complete darkness for three solid hours? That's what happened. <clears throat> for three hours, the sun turned dark. And the veil of the temple was torn in two, verse 46. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Even the sun in the sky could not bear to watch the dying agony of the eternal Son of God. And yet most of the people looking up at Jesus on the cross didn't recognize. They saw only a man dying a criminal's death in agony and shame. So that provokes me. How much am I preoccupied with the material and not aware of my need, of how much I need the spiritual? Successful Christians recognize how much they need God. And then they're able to respond to God when he when he shows up. Paragraph E, there are always two ways to look at the life of Jesus. And this is how the majority of people do even today. One is to see only the natural. The other is to see the divine and the eternal behind the veil of the natural. That's why I prayed today when we started the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so that we could see more. Just ask yourself, is it possible that God has somewhere come into my life, that God's showing himself to me and I've not recognized it? Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you just awaken us to this reality. Have you come? Have you been knocking? Have you been trying to get my attention and I've not recognized it? Help me not just to hear a message today, but I'm even asking right now for the lights to come on. Or like my phone. My phone's been on mute. And I, I'm like, and I see the little bar across the little speaker and I need to get my little side button and, and turn the volume up. Help us with this, Lord. Help us to not be so concerned with the physical and material needs in our life that when you come to meet our spiritual needs, we don't recognize it. I'm glad I have a few minutes because I want to give you a couple of examples in my own life of recognizing God in our midst. Because I thought about this. I thought I could just end there, but how do we, what, what is he doing? Yes, we recognize God's in our midst when we're in a worship service or we're reading the word or 
you know, there, someone gets healed in front of us, and, you know, those are, wow, that's God. But I think God is showing up in a lot of different ways. Psalm 19, listen to this. David says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork day unto day. God is speaking through creation. And night unto night reveals knowledge. And this is, there's no speech or language. Doesn't matter what language you're speaking around the world. You can understand God speaking through creation. In fact, in Romans 1.20, it says God reveals, the invisible God is revealed through the visible creation so that no one's without excuse. There was a song in the 90s, of the, there was a, re, a revival that went around the church, along the church in the world called Renewal. And there was a song uh, written by one of the vineyard worship leaders called Creation Calls. And uh, Brian Dorkson, yes. And um, when you, I want to play just a little of this just so you can get the grasp and the words are there. This was one of my favorite songs in the 90s. And I ought to tell you this. Here's, my, here's why I'm showing you this. I was driving from the church to my house in Longview, Texas. And I'm driving along. And this is playing in my, probably my cassette player. Not my eight track. My eight track got stolen from my green Pinto in the 70s. But later on, 90s, cassette, maybe CDs have come out. CDs in my brown Ultima, yeah. But I'm driving in this, he starts singing creation calls, and I'm looking at all the piney woods of East Texas, and I'm, and the Holy Spirit came in the car and encountered me, y'all, so much. There's an Eastman factory there, Eastman whatever, Kodak. I, I almost pulled off the road and smashed into a tree. Honestly, I was so overcome with God's majesty and how much who he was. It was like, oh, I had to pull over and I wept. I know you may say I'm unstable, but I think it was the Lord. <laughs> I pulled over and I wept. Oh, and it was this song playing. So, and I, and I cued it to three minutes because you'll see why. Go ahead. Fragrance of a rose in blue A newborn's cry at birth How could I say there is no God When all around creation calls A singing bird, a mighty tree
uh, Rachel, if the worship team could come up. That, yeah. I believe why, because you look and see. And see, I want to be able to recognize when God's showing up. You know there are amazing fish under the ocean, miles under the ocean, that they're just discovering that are the most beautiful fish like ever. And God was just hiding them for somebody to find them and say, wow, I believe. How can they say there is no God? Some of you may say, well, that's nice, Glenn. You know, I can't really go on a vacation. I'm stuck on Mopac. And how can I? Well, you know what? I found this clip. I want to show this real briefly, too. Because if we're, again, here's my, what I'm illustrating is being restfully available for God to speak. And this is the song Hallelujah by a very famous violinist. And before you play it, you're going to see people. This is like just people in the subway in New York. They're so busy, they don't recognize. But then they show clips of her in front of these huge audiences cheering. And I was thinking on that this week. I thought, you know, that's like heaven is cheering on our works of obedience and our acts of love and our love for God, even though people around us don't see it. So I'm trusting the Holy Spirit's really going to help awaken us to to the points today. Go ahead and play this. stand, if you would. Um, not just seeing nature or something beautiful like that. We were, Suzanne and I were dating at the time, but I was driving up to Rockwall, Texas, leaving a, 
a ministry in Waco, and I didn't have enough gas money because like, I wasn't living on credit cards and I didn't want to ask for help. And, uh, but I knew I was supposed to go up to this church that had a prayer ministry, and we, were, we did like a jog before I was supposed to drive up. And um, jogging out in Waco near Baylor, and we're jogging along, and, and uh, I wasn't sure how I was going to pay for the gas to get up there. And, um, and so uh, we're jogging, and there was a t- crisp $20 bill floating in the gutter, about ready to go down the drainage, the little drain thing. And I'm like, whoosh, when my back was a lot more spry, I could boom, you know. I got it. I'm a grandpa now, so I got it. And, and I was like, this is amazing. It was crisp. It was like it had just come out of the ATM. And see, I could have just said, oh, what a coincidence. Or I could recognize not just the gas money to get to Rockwall to learn to pray was why I was going. But I knew God was saying, I'm stepping in to show you I am your provider. I'll never forget that. But I was able to recognize and respond. So I'd like us, I'd like you to, um, to just as this worship team, if you could start playing. I would just want, I think the response, I have some discussion questions there. We wouldn't get to those. But if you would like, if you'd like to grow and in, increase in your hunger for recognizing how much you need God. I'd like you to come come forward just briefly. I'll just want to pray a prayer for you that the Lord would increase spiritual hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Jesus said that the happy ones are the hungry ones. And the, the, the interesting thing about the presence of God is it not only satisfies us when we're hungry spiritually, but it also has its own a built-in component to awaken greater hunger in us to not be satisfied. So we want more. And then, and you, if you don't feel comfortable coming forward, I, I, that's fine too. But I want to pray. I want to just lift, raise your, lift your hands to the Lord. It just helps you, just like this, to receive. Lord, make us hungry. And on top of that, I, I, for any who want to resp- respond by asking the Lord to awaken us to recognize and then to respond when Jesus is getting our attention. When the Lord's tapping you on the shoulder, I think of those little fingers of that little baby. I, I look at Lane, Sequoia, thinking, those fingers, oh Lord, you're showing me. You're in control. I don't have to worry. So I want to pray for greater recognition of our need for God and greater, thank you, Lord, response to God. Lord, help me not to miss the $20 bills. Yeah, I can see a $20 bill and go, whoa. But help me not to miss those divine opportunities to welcome you in to meet my need.
So I just pray over these at this, at this time and all of us here, I pray, Lord, make us hungry for more. Knowing you long to satisfy. And I declare greater happiness. Blessed are those, happy are those who hunger and thirst. Lord, increase our senses' ability to discern. Our, our, our eyes, our ears, our touch, our taste, our smell, and in, in spiritual sense, increase our sensitivity to discern, to avoid evil. Lead us not into evil, but to, to avoid evil, to discern evil and to discern good. Just keep hungering out. We're, we're officially, I'm going to say any prayer teams want to come up, just stay here, though. Let's stay here as the worship team leads us and just ask God, cry out. Say, I don't want anybody to leave here who came up here. I don't want you to leave here going, okay, I want you to leave here going, I know God's going to make me more hungry. More recognizing. Lord, if a donkey recognizes you and a tree recognizes you, so will I. We esteem you today. Just cry out to God. Go ahead, worship team.